Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. As you're getting settled, as the worship band transitions here, and as the offering is finishing up, would you just go ahead and get your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. I trust and hope that everyone had a a good Thanksgiving, as good as you could possibly make it. Maybe it was a little different. Um, maybe the, the turkey wasn't quite as big, or uh, maybe there wasn't quite as many people, or maybe there was a, a little difference to it. Maybe you maybe you stayed at home in your pajamas. Well, you beat me. You get to stay in your stretchy pants the whole day. I had to wait. I had to wait until after I got myself stuffed. So, uh, but we hope we had a good Thanksgiving. Our family had a good one. We appreciate, um, all of, all of you guys and I hope that you did have a good Thanksgiving. So, Luke chapter one, but can you believe it? It's here. I mean, it's, we've already got, we've already got the elf on the shelf counting down the Christmas for us. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's already here. It is, um, it's a wonderful time of the year. Um, and hey, today even feels a little bit, like, little bit like Christmas, right? I was actually hoping that the worship band was going to sing "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas" for worship today, but maybe not. Maybe not today. So, all right, Luke chapter one. We're going to read the first four verses. Then we're going to stop, and we're going to read again. We're going to stop and read again, stop and read again. I've got a, quite a few chap, uh, quite a few verses that. I want to bring out to you today, um, and it's all about having faith in those uncertain times. And what does God do with that? And how does He help us with that? So we're, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, I know that this is the season of believing in something, one way or another. We we believe that this is His season. That this is the season for Jesus Christ and. Uh, whether it was really truly his season or not, here's what I say. It's all his. It's all his. So why not take time in the dead of winter, in the, in the darkness to, to shine a light and shine a light of a savior coming and being with us? Maybe in a way where we didn't expect it or they especially didn't expect it at first. But how many of you know God does things like that in ways and in times and in seasons that, that we don't always expect. It's almost like he's gone ahead of us and he knows what he's going to do before we ever get there. And God loves to surprise us. I think we're, we have a great God that loves to do that. So uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about that today. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. If you have your, say amen. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. 
It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding. Man, I wish, turn your neighbors, I wish I had that. Right? Of all the things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, O most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this word. We're thankful, Lord, that you have gone before us knowing that we needed a word, especially at a time like this. And we recognize how much we need this word because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I stand here before you to say, God, I need an increase in faith. I need you to take my faith, and I need you to to do something incredible with it. I need you to grow it. I need you to move in it. I need you to take it and and do what only you can do with it, God. Because I know that I'm facing things that are a little bit different and a little bit uncertain. But God, I know that if I face them, being in the palm of your hand is going to be okay. Lord, we trust you. We thank you. And we pray that through this word, our faith would grow today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are certain things that we can absolutely say are certain. Everybody say like death and taxes, right? Uh, There are things that we know are certain. Uh, We know that, that obviously Christmas comes after Thanksgiving and it's done so for a reason. Or is it... Christmas comes first and then Thanksgiving way later. I don't know. Maybe for some of you that's the way it works. But we know, you know, for certainty, we know that stretchy pants are going to come out Thanksgiving night. Right? Or at least they are in the Smith house. We know of certainty that, um, we know of certainty that I, anytime I go to the store, will pick the one buggy out of the 500 that has a gimpy wheel. Can somebody say Amen. If you know and feel my pain, I, I, look, I, I will stress out over that. I will walk in the door and I will see all of those buggies rode up and I will stress out over which one I'm going to pick. And I have taken one or two or three back because it just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when you're going through the store like that. And you're announcing to the whole store, hey, I'm in the underwear department. Um, but, but we know for certainty, if you go, I'm going to pick that gimpy wheeled buggy, no matter which store it is. We know for certainty that we know for a certainty that, that an attitude, whether good or bad is a choice. We know that we know also certain didn't say that you don't go through certain things, but we know that as you do, how you respond to that is is something that's real and something that actually produces from there the attitude in which you walk in and live your life in. Um, it's like what I tell my kids all the time, boredom's a choice, right? You know, so there are certain things that we know for sure. We also know this, and I've already alluded to it, but we know for certain that God's ways are not always our ways. And we know that God thinks a lot higher than we do, and His ways come from a higher perspective than we are in. We know for a certainty God's ways 
are not our ways. That's not necessarily a bad thing because through His grace, He has allowed us the opportunity to take our ways and wash them in the blood of Christ and so that we could pick up His ways and follow after Him. But in that, there's there's a lot of things that we do go through that tend to be a lot of ups and downs for us. And and I know uh, I know for you and for a lot of people, going through seasons of uncertainty is not always fun, is it? Um, it's not always fun to to not be able to look ahead and know for sure what is happening. And we live in a day and a season and a time in which that is evident all the time, right? How do we handle this? And how are we going to handle that? And what's going to be coming up in the next year? And what's going to be coming up after that? And, you know, a lot of times we think we know, right? Okay, I know I do. Some, you know, I, I think I know what's going to happen. Um, but you know what I have found out? And, and I'm going to admit this on national television. <laughs> I'm going to admit this. I'm not always right. Who that was hard pill to swallow. That was a hard pill to swallow. I know a lot of times I, I act like I know I'm right, but you know what? There's a lot of times I've found out I'm not always right. Especially when it comes to predicting certain things. And, and I'm a big, I'm a big sports fan. I do like a lot of sports, especially college sports. Some of the professional sports, they're, they're, they're getting a little whiny for me. But I do love college sports because it seems like the, 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 the essence is still tr- closer to being true right now, anyways. Um, so, and so I also love listening to some sports news on the radio and things like that. And the one station that I listen to, Pretty often, um, they always get close to the games, especially the Razorback games, and, and they predict what's going to happen, right? When they'll say, oh, I think it's going to be a win, or I think it's going to be a loss, and here's going to be the score, and here's why I think the score is going to be that way, and this or that way. You know what I have found out in the 20 years of listening to that station? They're never right. And these are professionals that are, are, are in it every single day and actually played it and have been around it and know it front and back. And they, you know, and you talk, you, you watch sports analysts on TV and you know what? And they'll all say, Oh, I think this and I think that. And they always bring in people that really know what they're talking about because they have a certainty and a surety and a confidence to come from. And you know what? I found out they are almost never at least completely right. What does that really say about us? (laughs) What does that really say about us looking into the next few weeks and months and years and think, oh, I know this will happen or I think that's going to happen. You know what that says? It says that we don't really know unless we've come to the common denominator of this. God knows. And we're going to trust that. And we're going to follow after that. And we're going to do, we're going to obey what he says to do because it in so it puts us in this avenue of being able to be comfortable and solid and certain in knowing that at least everything is going to be okay. It may not be okay in the flesh, but it will be okay eternally. It's going to be okay. Everybody turn your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. 
All right. Have you ever noticed that, that if you read the scripture, for all of those that trusted in God, that's kind of the common theme. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, sometimes his ways, okay, let me back up. A lot of, okay, let me back up. Every time his ways are not always our ways, but we can trust in him, right? For instance, the whole birth of Christ thing is, I'm sure, not the way we would have drawn it up if we were to write this out. If you or I were to write this story, this is not the way we would have written the story. And here we have at the beginning of Luke, writing his story. And most of you who who have read the Christmas story recognize that Luke's story is way more detailed than a lot of the others. And that's really where he says, I have full understanding. You know that part that I just read to you that says, and I'm pretty sure I have full understanding of this all. You know what that really means? It means that he's done his homework. It means he has talked to tons of eyewitnesses and tons of people, including Mary herself, that was quite obviously there for the whole thing, right? And there's there's something about getting it straight from Mary's mouth to understand how this all comes about. And he, we have a, a peek into the window of why Luke himself wrote this passage of Scripture, wrote this gospel. Actually, this would be volume one, if you will. Acts is volume two. Luke wrote this and he wrote Acts. And he did so for this main reason. Now obviously it went out and went further than that. But for the main reason of helping Theo solidify his faith. Aren't you glad that there's a Theo out there? That caused God to look upon him and say, you know what? I think there's going to be lots of Theos out there that are going to have times of uncertainty. And so I need them to know the story of my son. I need them to know the gospel. I need them to see how I work. I need them to know me through this. I need them to hear my words so that they can receive a faith because I know they're going to need it. Now, I don't know about you, but that could be any one of us here today, including myself. We don't exactly know who Theophilus was. There's, there's about five or six different accounts on, or, or, or ways that people say it could be this or it could be that. There's five or six different main things that people have said. But the, the, the biggest and most reasonable thing that the conclusion that they've come up with is that Theophilus was a some kind of of wealthy and or affluent man in society probably roman society maybe even a roman governor of some kind that was actually so enamored by this new christianity moving forward that he was beginning to support this physically and financially especially the works of Luke and the works of Paul and some of the missionary journeys that was going on and so as he was doing that he's doing so in trusting that he'll find out more as he goes along and so Luke being the physician that he is says you know what I think I want to help Theo 
I think I want to help him maybe solidify some uncertainty that's in his, that's in his life or in his mind or in his faith or in his heart. Because I know if I do that, then there will be a great reward when that faith begins to spring up that he will be able to continue to support and help even more as the time goes. So most likely, he was some kind of great supporter of the move of Christianity. And isn't it cool that he didn't may not have, have been perfect in his faith, but yet he was willing to step out and begin to support what was going on. So Luke says, let's write. I'm going to write. I've got, I've got the blessing of having this account and knowing all of these people. I've got the blessing of knowing the disciples. I've got the blessing of being around. Let's, let's compile this. Let's get this together so that we can get this to Theo and so that he can take this and build his faith with it. And I, I believe that God allowed this to happen because there's a lot of Theos that need this. There's a lot of times in which we are Theo ourselves. In fact, the name Theophilus means loved by God or friend of God. As if God is looking upon all of us who are like the man with the, the, the son who he just couldn't get anything done for. He talks to his disciples and the disciples said, oh, we, we, we prayed and nothing happened. And so he then finds Jesus as he comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, Jesus, my son, he's demon possessed. And the demons throw him in the fire and throw him in the water. And I don't know what to do. I've taken him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. He's, he, he has epilepsy. He shakes. He falls. There's no solidity to him. There's no, cert, I, there's no certainty in life with him. I don't know what to do. So Jesus looks at them and says, Oh, you little faith, bring him here to me. And as he brought him here to me, he looks at him and says, You know... If you would just believe, all things would be possible. And this is where he makes the famous statement, which is probably one of my favorite statements in the New Testament, because it does sum up me sometimes, where the Father looks at Jesus and in all honesty says, Lord, I believe, yet help my unbelief. How many of you ever felt there? And Jesus could have looked at this man and said, Ah! Oh, you don't fully believe, you don't, you, you, you struggle, I'm just going to wait. And whenever you quit struggling, let me know and I'll come back then and help you out. How many of you are glad he didn't do that? <laughs> it's almost like Jesus searched those, searched for those that were struggling to help solidify, certify their faith. So as you look ahead and you begin to wonder, how's this going to work out? Is, is Santa Claus going to get COVID? You know, I mean, are we worried about that? Is, uh, are the, or is reindeer going to get COVID and we have to, he'll have to figure out some other way to come? Or, uh, is Christmas going to be different? Is next year going to be different? We're about to end this. We're, well, some of us, when, when, when 2020 goes down, some of us are going to party, right? <laughs> it was like, bye bye 2020, right? Um, yeah, but realizing that we're not out of the woods yet in lots of ways, <laughs> in lots of ways. And so as we stand at the end of a mess, at the beginning of what's going to happen, 
Where are we going to be knowing that we have faith and we believe, which is why we're here, but yet, Lord, help my unbelief. And that's where I feel like God is saying, I know that's the point of your struggle, so I know that's where I'm going to meet you, as if he's calling every one of us Theo. So turn to your neighbor and through your mask say, hey, Theo. But Luke writes the first two stories in his, in his gospel that already address that uncertainty and how people handle that. That when God shows up and says, I'm going to do something, and people are like, mm, I don't know, it don't look so good. That's when God says, let me show you and give you a help with your, with your faith and your certainty. So with that, if you still have your Bibles, turn with me to the 18th verse of Luke 1. So Luke 1 and 18. And the first story, let me just pick up where, pick up where we're going to, or, or tell you what we're going to pick up here in just a second. The, the first story Luke begins to write about is not about Jesus, but it's about John the Baptist and where John the Baptist came from. Many of you have read this before. You kind of know that. But we know that his, his father, Zacharias, was part of the priesthood. The lot just happened to fall on him. Aren't you, don't, don't you know God just happens to do things a lot, right? And coincidentally, the lot fell on him. It was his turn. He walks into the holy place to do the holy work for a holy God. And lo and behold, things are different today. Now, what's amazing to me is that how many times he has been around this temple, how many times he has done this type of work, how many of his buddies have done this type of work, how often they've been around this situation. But when God finally does show up and God finally does move, it even blows away the priests. <laughs> this is one that he should be accustomed to this. Zechariah should be, hey, Gabriel, what's up? Yeah, good to see you. Talk to you again. But no, this was even strange for him. It was something great for him that this again shows us first and foremost, God's ways are not our ways. And a lot of times, even in our Christian faith, we kind of have this mundane, we don't mean to, but we get into this mundane Christian rut of just getting up, saying our little prayer, checking off our list that we read a scripture, and we go through our day and we drag ourselves to bed hoping that tomorrow might be better. And then all the while knowing that God has a plan of really showing up in our life one day. And my question is, are you ready for that? How many of you are ready for that? How many of you really are ready to see him show up? All right, one and a half. <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> I think I am. But here we have even a man of God. He's spent his entire life training to meet with God. And let's see what happens. Verse 18. And Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Although his name, his, his voice was probably like, I am Gabriel. How many of you wake up? Now you know what Zacharias was like. He said, I'm just going through the motions. Here's my offering. And boom, Gabriel shows up. And Amen. 
God's ways. Turn your neighbor and say, he's going to get you. <laughs> I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Obviously, this is the prophecy that, that even though he, he and his wife are a little bit advanced in years, they were still going to have a baby, and this baby is going to end up being John the Baptist. And he even goes on to say, and John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit in, in Elizabeth's womb. And we know that, that that really did fully take place because we read this from, from, from way on down the line. And we can look back and we can read this and say, oh, yeah, it worked out for them. But for me, it's a little different, right? And we, when we read this, we, we, but, but what astounds me when I read this is that here is Zechariah, a man of God. He's done nothing but live for God, his wife. They've lived for God their entire life. And when God finally does show up and say, boom, I'm going to bless you, you're like, yeah, I don't know about how this is going to work. Right? I'm just not really sure because I'm so certain that, that this is not going to happen that when you come and tell me that you're certain that it can happen and it will happen, I have a hard time believing it. And we all do this to a certain extent. Pardon the pun. But we all do this because we think we know how life works, right? So what we really do is we have to be very careful not to tell the one who created life in the first place how life really works. Right? That's why Gabriel got a little bit... I'm Gabriel, boy. You're going to tell me? I, I, I just came from the throne room of the Almighty. Where did you come from? Your house? Well, I'm telling you. His ways are so much higher than your ways. And here even the man of God was dumbfounded at when God wanted to move. So much so that he's just not certain how this can happen. Kind of like another story you've heard about Abraham and Sarah. Right? God waits till he's a, almost a hundred years old to give him the good news. Like, Thanks, Lord. That would have been better at... 28, 18, and now here's this, this good news. Well, why now? What now? And even so much so that his wife, Sarah, she laughs when the man of God tells Abraham, this is what's going to happen. About the second or third time, Abraham finally is to the point of saying, well, I guess it's going to work out. Abraham, or Sarah starts laughing, and that's when the man of God says, Sarah, I hear that. <laughs> You don't get away with anything with the Lord. I hear that, and now you get to name him Isaac because you laughed. Be careful your reaction when God says he's going to do something in your life. Because Zechariah was hushed. As if God was saying, I'm not going to allow you to say anything that will go against what I've promised for you. I would rather hold you back and hush you down for a season so that you don't, all you have to do is just watch me work. 
You know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to go through the bearing of the cross. And in ways, when, they, when, the, when the thief asks Jesus, why don't you just get yourself down and show who you really are? And Jesus did not do it because Jesus himself understood that it's better to go through the cross to get to a resurrection. It's better to go through this season if it means that I'll get into the next season, that I'll have life everlasting and be able to bust out of a grave for all of eternity. Sometimes we do have to go through seasons of uncertainty. And it's in those seasons that I think sometimes God wants to say, watch your mouth. Watch what you speak and watch what you say because the power of life and death is found right there. So we have to be very careful with that. The angel who snaps his fingers and says, all right, Zacharias, that's enough out of you. And then when he, in fact, when he left out of the temple Everybody was amazed because he couldn't speak. And they were thinking, wow, he's had a moment with God. Then he gets home and he writes down on the pad to Elizabeth, what's going to happen? And then Elizabeth says, you mean you're telling me you can't speak? And he writes down, no. And he puts it right in front of her face and she's like, hallelujah. (laughs) Y'all know it's the truth. But for a season, he had to hold his tongue and just simply believe. Maybe that's where we're at right now. Maybe we need to believe. Maybe we need to just come back to a simple belief that though things are uncertain, we can be certain in this. God knows what he's doing. And he sits on a throne from on high. And when a messenger comes from a higher place with a higher way and reaches down to us, that's where we just need to say, as Mary said, which we're going to talk about next, Lord, have your will. In fact, let's read that now. Go on to verse 34, same chapter. And this is that famous passage of Scripture where the same Gabriel shows up in the middle of the night, supposedly, we think, right? Shows up and here Mary is just going through her nightly routine, you know, getting all of her makeup off and cleaning it all up and getting things ready for bed. And as she gets ready to, to head to bed, she always says her little nightly prayers and she kneels down right there beside her comfy bed and, and is, is all nice and warm and cozy and everything's great. And she, she recognizes that, oh Lord, I'm so blessed. I'm, thank you so much for loving me the way you do. I've got a, I've got a, a wonderful new husband that's going to be coming into my life very soon. And I've got great families. In fact, her lineage and her family is Elizabeth and Zechariah and she's from the actual priesthood lineage and everything is great. You've blessed me so dearly. Everything's wonderful. I've got the rest of my life planned out. Maybe in the next couple of years, I'm going to have a baby. Everything's going to be great. I've, I've trained to be a good housewife. And Oh, I'm just ready for this. This is going to be great. And as she's praying all of this, boom, Gabriel shows up again. I think Gabriel likes to do that. I know I would if I was Gabriel. Just bust in there unannounced and all of a sudden, hey, Mary, 
I know you've got everything planned out for the rest of your life. I know you think you have everything certain and everything secure and you get it all figured out, but I've come to give you news. (laughs) Now, Gabriel calls it glad tidings, both cases. But at first you would think it wasn't glad tidings because Zechariah and Mary both have trouble. Mary is of the bloodline of the priesthood and has been raised her whole life to have faith in God. And look and see what happens in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And in case you're wondering, go talk to Elizabeth, who has just gone through some uncertainty herself and seen God work. Now remember, he's writing to a friend of God, Theophilus, who has got a, a, a moment, maybe, maybe something in his life where he's trying to figure out how to certify, solidify, and get certain this faith that he's just coming into. And he starts off with these two stories of two people who were used by God in amazing ways, but yet they went through a season of how in the world, God, can you do that with me? I don't understand it. I don't see how it's going to work. And I've known some people who are looking at the landscape of what we're seeing now, and, and they're, they're saying, I don't understand how God's going to work. I don't understand how God's going to do some amazing things in this day and the time. How can God do anything with face masks on? Right? How can God do anything with this political landscape that we're facing? It's a mess. Right? Now, I know we haven't said that to God, but we've wondered it. Okay, I've wondered it. I've scratched my head and wondered, God, are you sure this is the direction in which we're heading? Because it's really a mess right now. And I'm uncertain that you would even use me for any reason at all to work on this mess. And, and that's where I'm reminded that we have an entire book filled with 66 other books. And in every single book of this big old book that we claim to know and we claim to read and do our life by that in every single page of this entire book is a story of how God uses the uncertain in life and the messes in life and inserts himself, his power and his glory through a might and a power we don't totally understand and make things that didn't seem certain, make them certain, not in this world, not in my knowledge, not in my identity, but certain in him. The one in which I get my true identity from. The one in which I get my true knowledge and comprehension and understanding from. That's why Proverbs begins their wisdom by saying that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. 
Not the fear of your situation or the fear of your circumstance or the fear of your health or not health. The fear of what's going on in the political landscape or the fear of what you hear in the news or the media or you read on Facebook. Not the fear of all of that, but the fear of God that this is all His. Now we need to believe. What are what an amazing word. Believe. Begins to pop up about this time of year, doesn't it? We, we, we need to believe. It didn't say we didn't, we wouldn't have to go through some stuff, but we need to believe. Think about all of the disappointments Zechariah and Elizabeth had. Think about all the disappointing things that they've gone through, the disappointing times they've had. And then finally the angel shows up and says, Bingo. And here before them lays this opportunity, do we believe or not? And Mary, I love her reaction. After she has this moment with the angel where she says, I just don't know how this is going to work out. I'm limited. And the angel says, I know. But I come from a higher place. And I've seen what God can do with limitations. And I see what God can, I've seen what God can do with voids and chaos and, and, and and dirt and stuff. It's almost like Gabriel was saying, I was there when he made man from dirt in the first place. So God's not afraid of your dirt. Give it to him and watch what he can do with it. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Mary's going to be okay. And if you read on, you'll read Mary's reply. Let it be done. I'm just the handmaiden. Let it be done according to the will of the Lord. Verse 45. Why don't you skip down to that? She does go to Elizabeth's house. This is, I, I briefly touched on this on the little video I put out on Facebook. But this, to me, sums up what the Christmas season is about. Verse 45, and we're going to read through 50. This is where Mary visits Elizabeth, and she walks in the door, and all of a sudden Elizabeth is like, Woo-hoo! Johnny, Johnny boy jumped! And, 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 and Zechariah still can't talk at this time. So he can't straighten it out and say, no, it was just what you ate for lunch. Because remember, God said, you hush. <laughs> I'm going to take care of this. And so she's like, woo, something jumped. And she knew. She knew she'd been around it her whole life. And yet she recognized Holy Spirit's up to something. How, seriously, those of you who have been in prayer lately, a lot this year, you're looking at the things online and the things you see on media and the things, the, wherever all the mess is going. But how many of you can still say, I think the Holy Spirit's up to something? Okay, two and a half. We went from one and a half to two and a half. We're multiplying. We're doing good. Holy Spirit's up to something. And Elizabeth says, blessed is she who... Blessed is she who had it all together. 
Blessed is she who was in the perfect place at the perfect time and had everything all figured out. Blessed is she who had everything in the bank that she needed to draw from. Blessed is she who had it all figured out. Blessed is she who believed. And you think about that and you realize, wait a minute. Mary had to get through this little time of uncertainty, didn't she? Because as good news as this was, it's like, yay, God's going to do something. Whoa, how am I going to tell Joseph? And how am I going to tell my parents? And how am I going to tell his parents? And what's, what are all they going to say? How am I going to tell my friends? You know, she and she's most likely 14, 15, 16 at the time. She's a 16-year-old girl. Now, I know most of them think they got all life figured out at that age. But she was trained to be a housewife. She was trained to be a wonderful wife for Joseph. She was trained to, to know how to raise kids and raise a home and, and do all of that, those, those wonderful things she was trained to do. She was trained for that. But she wasn't trained to raise Jesus. Can you imagine that? To be entrusted with that? I remember when my first was born, he was going to be 14. He was, he's going to be 14. I remember holding him for the first time, praying, God, I hope I don't break him. I remember asking, God, does he bounce? Lord Jesus, please make him bounce. And he did a few times. He did. <laughs> I remember thinking, Whoa, what a responsibility. Now, whether we're talking kids or not, God's given you this, this seed of faith. How many of you are glad your seed of faith bounces? Mary, blessed is she who believed. Elizabeth says, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which the Lord has told her. And then this is Mary's response. And I'm just going to read a little bit of that. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation she goes on to say listen she said i didn't have the might for this but i'm recognizing more and more every day he does and i'm still uncertain about how to raise this guy i'm still uncertain about how this is going to work out she may have had no idea that her that her husband joseph most likely was going to die at a, apparently an early age and that's most likely what happened. She, she had no idea all of this was, she was going to have to go through all of this. She had no idea she was going to lose Jesus for a couple of days. Y'all remember that story? That's a whole nother sermon. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. Now we got to go all the way back. She had no idea. She had no idea she'd have to walk with him through the scourging and the cross. She had no idea. But she did know this. God is mighty. 
And he looks at his servants and he blesses them. And then let's read verse 55 real quick. And then I'm going to close with my last passage of scripture. Verse 55, she wraps up her, her song praise. She just wrote to the Lord this impromptu song and says, As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Abraham. You know what it says in James 2.23? And Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. If you read the context of that passage of Scripture, it's saying that Abraham, he wasn't even talking about when, when Isaac was born or, or the conception of Isaac. Well, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when Abraham took Isaac and was willing to sacrifice him back to God. And how he was willing to do that. And at the moment in which he was having this definition of faith and this definition of belief, where Isaac himself was questioning, a bit uncertain, knowing that, Dad, um, I know you love me and all, but I'm a little bit uncertain because my hands are tied, my feet are tied. I'm laying on this big pile of wood. You've got some matches over there and a knife in your hand. And I'm not really certain how this is going to work out. But Abraham was certain because Abraham spoke up and said, son, don't worry. And I know that's easier said than done, isn't it? But Abraham says, son, don't worry. God will provide. God will provide. We go on to, we know it says God will provide himself a sacrifice and we know that there's a future promise of what Jesus Christ was going to do. We know that whole thing was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ fulfilling this promise. We know that. But Isaac didn't know that at the time. All Abraham knew is that God had been faithful and he'd done so many things. In fact, he showed me how you could come from nothing. He showed me that. And you're living in proof right there that God can do anything. Right? So Abraham believed God. What that really means is that Abraham trusted God with something that was precious to him. And in return, God was going to give Abraham what was precious to him. And that's the setup. What is one of the things, what's one of the very few things that we can even give God that He does not already have? Your trust. Our trust, especially in times of uncertainty. And we see over and over in Scripture where if you just give God what's precious to you, oh, He will return that back a hundredfold. Y'all know the, the, Famous passage of scripture found in Philippians. I don't have that. We're going to say, I'm just going to quote it real quick and going to move on. But Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. And he will supply all of our needs according to what? Have you ever read that full chapter? It's talking about a time in which Apostle Paul was saying from a Philippian jail, I'm in need, but it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. 
Because I know there's a promise. There's a promise that if I give God my trust, what's very precious to me, then God will give something precious back. Let's all stand. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? To give God your trust. Especially when we know. I know how all this is going to work out or not work out, so I'm going to hold my trust to the last second. <clears throat> Here we are still in the midst of uncertainty. And I think it's, I think God may be drawing a line in the sand right now to say, okay, now that things are either working out or not working out the way that you thought, how many of you are going to trust? How many of you are going to trust me? You know what? That is one of the most precious things we can give is our trust. How many of you are willing to get up here and do the trust fall real quick? <laughs> We have a few. The rest of you are like, I'm going to wait till they do first. <laughs> Trust is... This, this may be just a man thing. But to me, to hear the words, I trust you and I believe in you, that ranks even above I love you. I'm talking about from the way that men look at love. Because if you could say I love you, but there's no trust or belief there... And ladies, I may not be too far off from you as well. You know what? When I, I, I love doing weddings. That's one of my favorite things to do. I love doing weddings. Do you really realize how heavy that is? That when they're standing up in front of me and all of their friends and their family, what they're really saying is that they're giving the most highest compliment to one another that you could possibly give another human being is that I fully trust you with all of my life. I fully trust you with all of my future plans and my future endeavors. I fully trust you with all of my mess-ups that you're going to be taking on as baggage as well. I fully trust you with all of my goods and my bads and my uglies. I fully trust you in all of your goods and your bads and your uglies. I fully trust you. It's not that I fully trust marriage. I fully trust you. And from that full trust, marriage works out. Marriage happens and life happens. So, so the same goes in our faith with God. To look at God and say, I fully trust you, which means I know that through you this life thing will work out. Instead of saying, God, I trust life, and then you're just a part of it. It's not the way it works. I believe that at this time right now, if you're willing to give God something that is most precious to you, I believe he'll answer. Trust. And some of you may say, well, I have been. Good. Don't stop now. Now is not the time to stop. Now, how many of you trust God? If you do, come up and do the trust fall, and we're just going to stand back and watch God catch you. He will one way or another, I promise you, because he's caught me. I found, out a, I found out the hard way. 
he catches. And so all for all of you Theos who are believing and called a friend of God, every day of your life he wakes you up for this purpose, to solidify and to help you be certain that he is who he says he is. You trust him? Father God, we trust you. We trust you. Can somebody help me? Do you trust him? Would you pray this? God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you. I don't know where this is going, but I, tr- I thought I did, but I trust you. I trust you. And I don't want to be someone who's been around you my whole life, but never met you. Never met the will of God completely. I trust you. I trust you. Lord, I want to praise you. Because you, the times of uncertainty is your speciality. It's what you do the best. Father, I pray for all of those who are struggling with their trust. This is through no condemnation at all. Because I also see in your Holy Scripture, time after time after time after time, you take those who are struggling in their trust and you help them be solid and firm and stable by showing up in their life. Father, I pray, God, I pray, Lord, that you would solidify our trust in you this season. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. If you love him, say amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We hope to see you Wednesday, one way or Thank another. Thank you so much God bless for you. listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.